Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that Boston next. Big jab there from Duffy and Fred Mears. Hurt now. Down goes Duffy. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Probably should have gone for a run this morning now that we're back on video. It's Monday, September 23rd, 2019. Appreciate you all checking back in. Episode 218 of the Anik and Florian podcast. So, Ken Flo, I wasn't able to watch the Rodriguez-Stevens show live, and somebody reached out to me on Twitter this morning when I ingested this on Monday morning. I watched the card this morning, and they said, you know, what are you doing if you're not watching live? And you don't <laughs> want to read too much into the tone on Twitter, but it's like, bro, right. like, what what are you doing if you're not watching UFC Fight Night Rodriguez versus Stevens? Now, I can think of any number of different things that I could be doing. I could be at a casino. I could have a babysitter. I could have a night out. I could be watching college football. Now, I'm a UFC fanatic like this gentleman. Um, I was sleeping. I was sleeping. You know, Uh, I have three children under the age of nine, and uh, they wake up early, and we go to bed about 9 p.m. Eastern time. Exactly. Two two words for that guy. Three kids. That's what he's got. He's got three freaking kids, dog. By the way, if you're yeah. looking for reasons to have children, I've got a list of those. I got a list of reasons to not have children as well. But if you're looking for reasons to have children, one of the best reasons to have children, it is the greatest excuse in the world. If you need an excuse for anything, right? Dog's right. pretty good, right? Like Ken yeah. a couple minutes late today because his, his puppy had to, to, to use the restroom outside, right? Yeah. But – Generally speaking, kids are a great excuse. New puppy, by the way, under that Florian roof, huh? Yeah, yes, we finally have a name for him. We call we we we've called him Simba. Uh, not responding to Simba, but okay. uh, he's a good little dog. Uh, he's chewing on his bed already, but uh, a little pit bull, cute as hell. And uh, now we got two dogs and and a baby. So it's like, what do we? It's, it is I mean, like we were talking about it earlier. It is like three kids and it's like prep for a second kid who's going to be that's going to make it four. I don't know. Yeah, I, I like the way it. your wife kind of teased things on Instagram. Had right. some of us thinking for a second. Yeah. Is it baby? Oh, it's a puppy. So. All right. So Simba, Simba Florian has arrived. But yeah, you got just as many dependents as I do. Let's make yeah. that very clear. Uh, you know, not that your wife or my wife is a dependent. Right. We coexist. But. You have two dogs, one child. I have three children, no dogs. We each got three dependents. All right. So, uh, Yair Rodriguez, Jeremy Stevens, no contest, accidental eye poke 15 seconds into round one. There's nothing worse than when a main event ends like this. I think the one that crystallized for me was, I think, August 2015. Max Holloway, Charles Oliveira, so excited for those two guys to get that headlining opportunity. And then all of a sudden, the fight's over. Um, that was because of an injury and not necessarily a foul, uh, if memory serves. But uh, 
basically Yair Rodriguez with a sort of raking motion. I thought it was inadvertent, accidental. Some people think that it was intentional. I don't know. Uh, but Jeremy Stevens, to a man, one of the toughest human beings on the planet, is unable to go. So you know he's in pain and wasn't going to be able to fight effectively. Uh, your thoughts on the 15 seconds in the aftermath of Rodriguez Stevens uh, in Mexico City? Oh, man. Uh, you know, first of all, <clears throat> I thought Michael Bisping did a great job of communicating what kind of a guy Jeremy Stevens is. Yeah. You know, forget the six-week camp. It, it doesn't matter about what work he put in. Jeremy Stevens isn't the guy to go out there and quit, uh, you know, 15 seconds into a fight, okay? This guy would fight through anything. But if you can't see and you're fighting another dude who is extremely capable and very dangerous— you're just not going to be able to go. He couldn't even open his eye. Yeah. Uh, clearly, we saw the aftermath uh, You know, with, with what he had over his eye and going to the hospital, all that stuff, him not being able to compete, it looks like, for another five months or so. Um, yeah, it, it was horrible to see, man. It, everything about it was horrible. The fact that, first of all, this had the makings of an absolute classic. That was This was a very important fight at 145 right. pounds. It was the main event in Yair Rodriguez's hometown in Mexico City yep. um, and uh, it, it just was awful and then people throwing stuff in the octagon what a mess man it was kind of a, a gross scene to be honest Jeremy Stevens right like literally the last guy yeah. on the roster probably who was looking for a way out after 15 seconds and you mentioned the training camp and spending a month at altitude and everything that went into that Jeremy Stevens has put in you know most of the 31 UFC training camps that he has put in have been of the very difficult and very committed variety right the last thing he's looking for is a way out and there was a long list of fighters who you can say that about sure. but Stevens certainly on that list Flo. he loves to punch faces this guy would not he would not avoid any circumstance where he wouldn't be able 100%. to hurt another individual in the octagon. I'm not saying he's a mean individual. I'm just saying that's what he loves to do. This is what he trained so hard for. He is a fighter through and through. And I just, I also, I didn't like the fact that Yair Rodriguez was kind of insinuating to the crowd in a lot of ways that, you know, maybe Jeremy didn't want to continue fighting and all that stuff, which kind of incited the crowd, right? I mean, these yeah. guys wanted to see a fight. I, I didn't think that – I thought that was in poor taste. I don't know if he was thinking things through all the way. I right. think he was frustrated by the situation, and I certainly don't think he did this intentionally either. I don't think he tried to, you know, scratch his eye intentionally right. either, right. obviously. Um, but I, I thought that was in poor taste, and even cheering after the fact of getting on top of the octagon – Dude, it was a 15-second fight. You scratched the guy. The fight was over. What are you cheering for? Right, right. I yeah, don't know. Was, I, I was kind of confused not... by it. He showed a lot of emotions out there. Went at Bisping at one point. I, I thought weird. I thought that uh, uh, the whole thing was just kind of weird. Yeah, not not a shining moment for, uh, for Yair Rodriguez. And I think some of that obviously can be chalked up to emotion and the training camp that he had put in, right, and yeah. wanting to put his best foot forward and That's stamp true. himself a top contender and everything that goes along with it. But hopefully he'll come to the realization that Jeremy Stevens' eye was severely compromised, right? Because I also think, too, if you're Yair Rodriguez and you're a student of the game, the MMA game, the UFC game, you kind of know what Jeremy Stevens' true colors are. And so... If any opponent deserved the benefit of the doubt and not the histrionics and not that type of reaction, it was probably Jeremy Stevens. So disappointing conclusion, obviously, to the main event. And even when we have a main event like Henry Cejudo, TJ Dillashaw, that goes 33 seconds and you do get something climactic that is final, we hear from a lot of fans who say, man, there's so much buildup for these UFC main events that when they're quick, even if it's a quick TKO, they feel shortchanged. So when you have a main event like this with all of this buildup back in Mexico City, Yair Rodriguez for the first time fighting in that market in a long time, and and this is your conclusion, uh, it, it's very disappointing, obviously, promotionally and obviously for both fighters, and, and hopefully they run it back. you got to think the rematch is, is something that the promotion would do. I mean, I don't know, three rounds versus five, or are you thinking that, that maybe this will be it for this matchup? I, I think that it wouldn't be a bad idea. I just think in today's modern mixed martial arts with, with the UFC and how many events they have going and trying to align those stars and right, get those right. guys on another card, fit them in there, is a very difficult thing to do when you have a promotion that is putting on so many fights so rapidly. Um I, I don't know if it's going to happen. I, I, I think it'd be nice to see it, uh, see them run it back. Obviously, we didn't get anything uh, from that fight. 
Uh, but I, I think it's something that the UFC will certainly uh, uh, attempt to do. And for the fans that you know paid a lot of money to see that event, um, yeah. I, it, 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 that's awful. Luckily for the UFC, it wasn't a pay-per-view. You can imagine how disappointed oh, yeah. the fans would have been if that was a right. pay-per-view event. So right. uh, uh, unfortunate stuff. And, and this is what happens. I mean, it, the same thing. When, when you bought a pay-per-view or when you bought a ticket to a Mike Tyson fight, you knew that it had the possibility of maybe going Absolutely. under a minute or so. So. And I do want to acknowledge Herb Dean uh, and the role that he played in at least trying to extend this fight for the athletes. And if you know Herb Dean, you know that he's trying to do right by the athletes, right? And there is some room, some wiggle room for these referees within the rules to do what they think is right in the moment, Kenny. I don't know if you agree, but there are rules and language within the rules that are open to interpretation. And I have the rules uh, that we can lean on at times, but I think that we have uh, we have a New Yorker on hold. We do. Let's get to Ray Longo. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. You know, Flo, I can just tell from the nature of Ray Longo's text message in terms of booking him for the show today that he's starting to get a little bit of anxiousness creeping in to his big three live in the next 25 days. The great Ray Longo now joins us live from New York, Man. New York. I can't put, see, I thought texting didn't give off any indication of what's <laughs> going on, but obviously yeah. you read right through that because... I'm anxious, man. I'm an anxious MFA right now. But well, and a good, lot of it's good anxiety, though. It's good anxiety. Yeah. So, who, who's in charge of your schedule, Ray? Uh, that would be me. Good. That's, See, that's what a actually, great answer. That's actually the that's actually the you, problem. You don't have like three assistants, <laughs> Ray? Uh, well, I have. Uh, no, I do have people with the other. You know, there's a board. No, no, I do have Jenny Nadell. I, I rely on her a lot for everything. So yeah. she she schedules the fights and uh, keeps right. me in the loop. So, yes, I do. I take that back. So uh, as we were sort of navigating through this Yaya Rodriguez, Jeremy Stevens situation, we talked about Herb Dean and, and his willingness and his desire to try to prolong things. But Jeremy really took one right on a spot where you just can't continue in some instances. What were your thoughts on on that 15-second main event on Saturday? Uh, I'm going to tell you, man, uh, my, my my initial thought, and I don't have all this stuff, and I was watching it, just I'm upset with humanity. That's what my thought is. Like, did anybody even ask how that guy was? Is his eye okay? Right. I, I don't even know what I was looking at. I swear to God, I really don't know. I If, if anybody thinks that Jeremy Stevens wanted a way out of that, that fight, they're, they, they're out of their fucking minds. I mean, it's, it's, I thought it was, uh, I got to tell you, I thought, you know, Herb, I heard you talking. I, I think he did a great job given the guidelines I think he was given. And this is all coming after Volante got disqualified because he got poked in the eye that time in Jersey. And they asked him, can you see? And he's like, hey, no, I just got poked in the eye. And they called the fight off. So now they tap dance around everything. They give you five minutes. They bring in the doctor. But when I saw that eye closed, I was like, this fight ain't happening. You know, he couldn't get his eye open. Yeah, right. I don't know what. Is it me? I don't I don't know. Like, the area of Rodriguez, I'll never root for the guy again. I thought he handled that horribly. Just, you know, I hope he's all right. It's unfortunate. This shit happens in the sport. And it stinks for everybody. But the guy's safety's coming first. Not, I, you know, only he knows. Only he knows. You know. Like, I fought with a bad eye. Who cares? It's a... Eye injuries are right. brutal, man. I, I, I don't know. I, is it me? Am I overreacting to this? Or Oh, not at no, all. I, I mean, imagine Michael Bisping flow walking in there in terms of eye injuries, right? right. And, and one eye injury, comparing it to the other. Yeah, no, Yair obviously uh, could have handled things better in any number of different ways. I mean, uh, I was, listen, and, and John, you know, there's certain eye injuries that you need immediate attention. You know, like immediate right. attention. Right. Else you're going to be, you're going to get screwed up. You know what I mean? So, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it was a little confusing because, like, again, I, I you know, I, I, I love, love Herb Dean. I think he's obviously one of the best refs. But, you know, he started telling the doctors, the eye's spasming and it's going to open soon. Like, you, you're telling the doctors now what's going on. Like, let, let them examine them. I'm sure they're, they're right, qualified, right. To, they're qualified <laughs> to, to, to let you know what's going on. And I wasn't open <laughs> for a while. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I listen. I think I think Herb was was doing his best to try to extend the fight and not let the doctors jump on that decision too quickly. Right. All the and while managing yeah, that's, managing that's, yeah, that's Jeremy Stevens' intent as well, right? Because he was like, if Jeremy is okay, he, he would like to yeah. take those right. extra right. couple right. minutes. I mean, he was like a lawyer in there, Herb. Really? Dean. I thought he. Really? I thought oh he no, did no, a no, smart no. He was, he was. That was the most politically correct <laughs> Herb Dean we've seen ever. Yes. You know, I think, and yeah. last week there was a guy that got poked in the eye. I think the ref started covering up his microphone as he was talking to him. So they, right. <laughs> it was kind of funny. But no, Herb, very relaxed. I think, like again, uh, his his his, you know, his job was to give him enough time and then let the doctors uh, decide. And that, that's perfectly fine. But you know, like sometimes you got to look and go, you know, maybe this guy really needs like attention, like as quick as possible. You know, yeah. right. just to hopefully right. to save his eye, you know. Right. Put like, yourself. Know what, yeah. Sorry. I, I was going to say, put yourself in Jeremy Stevens' uh, you know, shoes for a second, or as if you're one of their corners. You're in Mexico City. Uh, you're getting booed. You're getting things thrown at you. Your, your fighter is injured. Ha- have you ever been in anything like that? And, and how would you have reacted uh, on Saturday night if that happened to you? Well, the first thing I would have did was tell Sarah to get the car ready out back. We're gonna <laughs> out the back door. That's the first thing. Get the car running. We're going to come running out the back door in about 20 minutes. But, uh, no, I, I, I'm going to tell you something. First off, when Matt fought St. Pierre in Montreal, uh, if you want to hear something that was surreal, there was 23 strong wanting to beat the piss out of them. They, wanted, they were going berserk. You know what I mean? But, again, George because he's a gentleman, did the right thing. He calmed the crowd down after the fight, and everything worked out great. You know, yeah, he could have instigated a riot. Right. He could have instigated a riot, George, if he wanted to, but he didn't. He's a gentleman. Obviously, we know that now, what a nice guy he is. And he did the right thing, you know what I mean? And that's why he is where he's at right now. Um, but, yeah, that's the closest thing I had to people really hating on you for no reason. I mean, the guy's the victim. Why are they hating on him? Right. Well, and as I said off the top of the show, I think my biggest criticism of Yair Rodriguez is just not knowing what type of athlete and fighter you're dealing with. Like, have you not seen Jeremy Stevens' body of work in the UFC to know that if he can see, uh, he'll fight on? I mean, to your point, like he's literally, you can see the muscles in his face trying to open his eye. Jeremy Stevens yeah. is the guy who desperately wants to stay in this fight. That's why I no. think a lot of us are so animated, you know, going the other way on this. I'm going to tell you something. I'm saying that that the behavior that I saw, totally fucking unacceptable, just wrong. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I don't. I don't look, man. You know, like I, I always tell you, my guys told me, don't stop fights, don't do this. You know, they, I, I'm maybe I'm getting older. That could be it. You know what I mean? I'm starting to get a little more compassionate and you know wiser. But uh, to, to to even insinuate that that kid didn't want to fight is is really, really inappropriate and not right. Just wrong. Did, just out now wrong. I mean, there's, you nobody see, in, there's nobody I've called to that thinks that that guy wanted out of the fight. Nobody. Did you guys, guys see the are, video? These guys are did hurling you guys beer see? bottles, and, like, I, I, and I really don't get it. I really think Yair had a responsibility to do the right thing, and he fucking fumbled that bad. Really, really bad. Acting like a brat, man, just like, you know, yeah. like the guy wanted out of the fight. It was two seconds. What, what do you want out of? You know, I could see if he was losing the fight or he was, you know, Yaria, you know, was making a comeback and, you know, we staged something. I get it. You know what I mean? But you poke him in the eye. What do, what do you yeah. want? I don't know. The guy's not faking anything. Hopefully, hopefully it becomes a learning, you know, a big lesson for Yair Rodriguez. And um, But did you guys see the video, you know, prior to it? I, I get it. You're in. Um, a, a person's uh, home country, and, and people are going to insult the other fighter. But they were, you know, they were kind of doing this chant, calling Jeremy Stevens a puto, and all this stuff. And a uh, video came out of of Cain Velasquez and Brian Ortega kind of joining in uh, on uh, on the chants and stuff. Um, you know, it, it, it was that was kind of hard for me to see because you know, as a professional fighter, you should show respect for a dude who has dedicated his life 
to martial arts and to fighting. Um, you know, Jeremy Stevens is one of those guys that I think a lot of fighters respect. Yeah. And to see another professional fighter go in there and, and kind of disrespect another fighter like Jeremy, I was kind of hard to see. I don't know if you guys saw that, what you guys thought I, about I, I got to tell you, I didn't see it, and I don't even want to believe what you're telling me. I'm not kidding. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. believe what you're telling me. If what you're telling me is true, I mean, I don't know. I mean, those are two pretty quiet, nice guys. I I know. I don't know. I mean, the, the only thing I, 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 I get is I'm married to a Cuban, so I think she's called me a photo yeah, yeah, yeah. of uh, a bunch <laughs> yeah. of guys, So yeah, I get yeah. that part. I get, I yeah. get that part. I've been on the receiving end of that. But uh, right. <laughs> I can't believe that that those guys would chime in and do that. I really don't. I don't. I didn't see it, but I'll I'll look for it after this. But that's that's pretty bad if if that's true. All right. Well, before we let you fly, uh, so Ally Quinta and Chris Weidman here both set to compete in the next twenty five days. Weidman Reyes, twenty five days from right now in Boston. So. I mean, what's the biggest challenge for you, right? Like, I joke about the anxiety off the top, but I know you got a lot of irons in the fire. Matt, the steamroller, Frivola, uh, competing in that window as well. Um, yeah. We're probably not going to talk to you next Monday because you're going to Melbourne. So if you got final thoughts or anything on uh, what the next 10 days are going to hold for uh, for Ray Longo, I think our audience would love to hear them. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's really, really tough because, you know, Al's already in Australia, so I lose this week of training with him, but he's with some good guys, so that's good. I'm going to burn Weidman out as hard as I can this week. we we got a great schedule, and uh, you know, Frivola Frivola's, is ready to go. He had a great, he, he looked great last night with, with, with a real good guy. So uh, I'm just making sure they're all good, and then when I go you know, when I leave, you know, who I'm going to put in charge of Chris and make sure that he just keeps crushing the cardio and, you know, the game plan and all of that stuff. So it, it's kind of weird, but, um, you know, obviously, you know, we could FaceTime and do that stuff, but it's not the same. But uh, we'll see, man. But everybody's looking good and everybody feels good. And, and uh, like, again, I'm just, like, this week, if, if it's 24-7, I'm here for, I told Frivola, whatever we need, let's just get it done this week, and then he's going to go to Florida where he started out, so he's got a good team down there. So that's good. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy schedule the way it happened, and um, you know Al was off to a great start, so he had you know he had time to uh, you know he was way ahead of schedule, so that should be good. And then Chris, we just got to you know keep grinding it out, and uh, that's it. You know, make sure everybody stays on track. So what are the odds of us getting five minutes with you next Monday before you head out? No, no. Next Monday we're good. I'm not leaving till the afternoon. We should be good next Monday. All right, we're gonna we're gonna have Yaya Rodriguez on, and we're gonna let the two of you go. Yeah. <laughs> now, let, me, let me tell you something. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, that was I'm gonna say despicable. How's that? I, I really didn't yeah. like that man, and I wanted to see the fight just like everybody else did. Yeah. But not at the expense of the guy losing an eye. Definitely right. not. Right. All right. On I'm that note, buddy, a, have I'm a, becoming a. I'm, I think I am a puto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. You said it. You said it. I did. All right. Hey, uh, have a great week, buddy. We'll talk to you next Monday. All right. All right. Take it easy, guys. I'll talk. Yeah, right. The Ray Longo minute here every week on the Anakin Florian podcast, and of course, not only do we have a New Yorker headlining this Boston show, uh, but now the local Calvin Cater is off of the Boston card. He's fighting Zabit Magomed Sharipov now on Sharipov's home on Magomed Sharipov's home turf in Russia. So, uh, man. Not ideal for the Bostonians, but uh, what are you going to do? All right. We will recap Esparza Grasso a little bit with Ian Parker on the other side, but we are going to spin this thing forward now, at least with a pronunciation of the week, because TJ needs a win, and he's 8-10 and 10 on the year. Big miss last week out of my guy TJ DeSantis. Uh, this week, it is a promising UFC light heavyweight from Poland. He is riding a 12-fight unbeaten streak faces Ovin St. Prue on the main card this weekend in Copenhagen. By the way, the research told me it is Copenhagen, not Copenhagen. Uh, TJ DeSantis, of whom am I speaking? Mikhail Olasheshuk. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it. And we're not putting TJ on the spot. He's a good sport, but I don't do this like for my own comedic value. But that was good, TJ. Let's hear the fighter, uh, how he pronounces it. Michal Lord Olekshejczuk. Jesus. It's perfect. I mean, right on the dot. I, I, <laughs> I can't even say that after I heard him say it. How's that? That, that, well, TJ, that right. was a tough one, dude. I'm I, sorry. 
did I not when I sent him the file today? I wrote, you know, LOL, dude. I mean, it's like, right? You damned if you do, damned if you don't. I'll probably mess it up on broadcast. But he is, uh, he is eight and eleven on the year, Mister DeSantis, after a whiff there on Mikhail Oleksiychuk. All right. Excuse me. Was that <laughs> what not close call, enough? What did you uh, just call me? <laughs> the only way to get this right, I've said this before. Like, if I'm calling Oleksiychuk's next fight, which I am not this weekend. I'll say it a hundred times in my room, like over the course of fight week. So by the time I show up, it's a word that I've been using all week. It's the only possible possible way that uh, I found to get it right. John will fit it into a sentence for no reason. He'll be like, you know, I was <laughs> right. talking to a female <laughs> politician the other day, and Michael Shishak was saying, yeah. I don't know, I didn't even say it, yeah. but you know what I mean. Yeah. John is actually like that. Hey, we, we all got our systems. Thrillers are killed. Right? Yeah. Hey. You know, I mean, and part part of the reason I put about the show today was like I need some work on this. Oleg uh, <laughs> All right, that's it for the POW. Let us get to the picks and the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And the time is most definitely now. Florian, I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, main event challenge today brought to you by Odds Shark with two S's, by the way. Oddshark.com, absolutely my go-to site when it comes to all of my handicapping needs. Odds Shark is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to Oddshark and start playing like a shark today. Oddshark.com, don't forget that second S. All right. We are going to get to UFC Denmark here in a moment, but Ian Parker now joins us live as we continue our Mexico City recap. Ian, Ray Longo just did not want to stop talking today. You know, in TV, they would have been like, dude, rap, <laughs> fucking rap, bro. But Ken Flo wasn't going to rap Ray Longo because he respects his elders. So uh, sorry we're a few minutes late, buddy. What's going on? If you had told him I had to get on the show, he probably would have ran away <laughs> really quick because he probably doesn't want to talk to me. So it's fine. Yeah, can you imagine if we're like, hey, Ray, sorry, buddy. Ian Parker's on hold. Uh, so we got to let you go. What, he are, you, what are you kidding up. me for Ian Parker? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, man, we, we really spent a lot of time on Rodriguez and Stevens. Um, but I just want to throw the rule out there very quickly because I promised myself I would do this. So this is directly from the ABC rules. You can all look them up. If a foul to the groin occurs groin here we're talking and the competitor is able to continue the fouled contestant may have up to five minutes to recover fighters injured severely enough by a foul to require medical consultation may be given up to may be given up to five minutes at the referee's discretion for evaluation by the ringside physician before a decision to continue is rendered so again there's a lot of language interpretation here i always like to go to john mccarthy because i think he's the best resource in mma he has told me in the past that basically when it's a groin strike you are guaranteed your five minutes then the referee's discretion comes in when it comes to an eye poke. Um, Ian, what were your thoughts on the fight ending situation, how Herb Dean handled it, and, and everything that transpired Saturday night? I think Herb Dean did the best that anyone could have done in that situation. You know, it's a really tough call on how much time to give someone, but in a situation like that where it was a not just a poke, the problem was that it was a swipe, you know, and when that happened and he couldn't even open his eye, and the only reason why I know about this, it's not – due to me being a doctor, which I wish I was, but I'm not, is I've had a corneal scratch as well. Um, and when that happens, you can't open your eye. And when you can, it burns like hell. Um, he literally scratches cornea pretty bad. It takes a couple of weeks to heal, but at the moment, he's not going to fight with one eye. And if you saw, he can barely even open the other eye um, for, for whatever reason. So in that situation, if it's just a regular eye poke, you know, and the guy is clearly, you know, the eye is red, it's tearing up. That was the issue that people had with Todd Duffy. Uh, last week or a week ago, is that his eye was open, it wasn't red, you know, it wasn't teared up or anything. Jeremy Stevens is not someone who's going to walk away and quit. So I give a lot of credit to Herb Dean, really tried to give him as much time as possible. I think it being the main event had a lot to do with it also. And I don't know oh, yeah. Jeremy Stevens, but uh, I think Herb did really a stellar job in the situation. I mean, I don't know what else he could have done other than give Jeremy a new eye. As far as the fans in Mexico City are concerned, uh, at least yeah. those in attendance, if you group them collectively, are an easy target here as we sit here on a Monday afternoon. They were 
already lit, right, because the, the Brandon Moreno decision maybe didn't go their way, and then Carla Esparza got the nod, Kenny, against Alexa, Alexa Grasso. So I think they're sort of, they were ready and inflamed already. Um, but Ian, what were your thoughts on sort of how that crowd reacted uh, when the fight ultimately was called off? Well, I, I dumped a beer on my own head when Moreno got the draw because I definitely thought he won. But um, right. <laughs> in, regard to, <laughs> in regard to everything else, you know, for Carla Sparza to get a beer dumped on her as she's walking out, I hope it was only beer. Um, pretty disrespectful. You know, I know sometimes, you know, with soccer and stuff like that, this, this happens, or football, sorry, but um, it really is not called for. You know, and if these fans, I guess maybe they're just casual fans or maybe they just packed the arena. It was the first time there and God knows how long or whatever. But, you know, Jeremy Stevens is not the guy to quit after 15, at all, let alone 15 seconds in. I mean, from yeah. what I heard, he spent like 30000 on this camp. To me, it was really despicable behavior. I don't like to rope in, obviously, a crowd in itself. But, you know, there were some fighters there that I also saw that, weren't, that were kind of uh, jumping into the situation. I'm not going to call it names uh, for several reasons. I don't want to get my ass kicked in two. It is what it is. But it really just was so uncalled for especially if you know the sport, you know Jeremy Stevens. There's no reason why he should have been getting pelted with beer um, or popcorn or whatever else is being thrown at him. Really, really sucks that that's how it ended. And uh, But Craig Fitzgerald, at least he was protected. He was doing the whole hurricane drill, going under the desk uh, while Michael Bisping yeah. was uh, taking it like a champ. Yeah. Man, it's funny, right? Because when you live in South Florida and you do this hurricane preparation, you almost become of a mindset like, all right, let's let's see what this thing has, right? It's not like you're rooting for the hurricane, but when you're prepared, you're ready to go. I think sometimes as a commentator, I'm rooting for chaos, right? Like I want to be in the belly of the beast. I want that moment, Brendan Fitzgerald. I'm jealous, but uh, yeah, I don't know that I'd be ducking for cover. I'm like, dude, bring it, man. I want some battle scars, man. Give me some cauliflower ears somehow, some way. Was he, was he afraid of getting hit really hard with liquid? I was confused. You know, <laughs> yeah, he had, I don't he know. had Michael Bisping next to him to protect him if anything got serious. I mean, come on. Hey, he was a very expensive thing, suit. You know? He reacted quickly. <laughs> hey, Ken Flo, I want to get your thoughts on the co-main event. Yeah. I don't know if you had a strong opinion as to who won the fight. Another great showcase, obviously, for this strawweight division that just continues to deliver for the UFC. Carla Esparza, a winner by majority decision. Huge third round for Alexa Grasso. Certainly appears to be a fighter who is coming into her own. Flo, your thoughts on the co-main event over the weekend, buddy? You know, um, I thought Alexa Grasso should have gotten the nod, um, and, and that's a hard thing for me to say because I thought Carla Esparza showed an insane amount of heart in that third round. She took a beating in that round, also got her elbow popped like at least once. I thought it was completely broken uh, at one point. Uh, just the angle and how it shifted, it was nasty. Esparza is so tough, as is Grasso, but uh, I, I thought Grasso should have gotten a nod. Um, you know, you can argue that the last round was a 10 8. Eh, maybe um, it was definitely close, but uh, whatever it was, I thought Grasso certainly won two out of the three rounds um, and it was close. I don't want to say it was a complete robbery, uh, but for me, I thought Grasso definitely should have won. And I think Alexa Grasso certainly showed how to handle a loss or a circumstance. And maybe yeah. Ayer Rodriguez could learn from that. Uh, your thoughts on the co-headliner? Did you think that, uh, that Alexa Grasso also should have gotten her hand raised? I think they had the decisions backwards, the Moreno fight and the Grasso-Esparza fight. Yeah. I thought Moreno should have gotten the nod, and I thought the Grasso-Esparza, yeah. I thought was going yeah. towards a draw, to be honest with yeah. you. Um, the reason why I say that is round one was really hard to score. Okay, round two, I would have given to Esparza. And round three, if you give Grasso the 10-8, because a lot of people had one and two for Esparza, um, no right. way did I see that as a unanimous decision. I think to Kenny's point, that's where the robbery can come into play. I think those do matter. I think losing by unanimous decision or a split that's controversial is a big difference in someone's career, especially this in the way that Grasso is. She's young. Sometimes these younger fighters, when they lose a big fight like that, when they thought they clearly won mentally, it affects their game. Um, I, I did think Grasso won, but I also thought it was going towards a draw. I did not see Esparza winning by unanimous decision at all. Yeah, man, we need we need to affect change somehow, whether it's half points. I mean, Grasso, certainly, that can't just be your standard 10-9, right? You know, I'm right. so liberal, I'll probably give her a 10-7.5 for that type of round, right? A near knockdown, if not a knockdown, elbow popped. You know, I don't know, yeah. I don't know what you're looking for. 
Um, if that's and she was winning a, from the bottom, too. She was hitting all the strikes from the bottom. I thought was. that was the big difference, too, outside of the submission. Well, we'll update the standings. It was 115 to 114 for Team Florian heading into UFC Mexico City for the first time in the history of this challenge. 0-0 because of all the draws and no contests. So uh, four picks for you today. Let us get to them. First fight for us. I will be awake for this one. This one I will stay up for. Explosive matchup, 205 pounds. Khalil, don't call him Khalil. Khalil Roundtree Jr., the minus 135 favorite, taking on the plus 105 underdog, Iwan Kutelaba. Iwan Parker, who do you like? (laughs) Well, if Jeremy Stevens wasn't who he was, I would have asked for Kenny to be deducted for a point for back-to-back weeks of his predictions quitting due to eye pokes, but because it's Jeremy Stevens, oh, that, I, will not ask, I will not ask for that. <laughs> oh, that's a good man. prop right there. That's a good prop right there. Yes. Um, but, but anyway, sorry. So Khalil Roundtree versus Ion Kutalaba. This is a really, um, th- this is going to be fireworks in the making. You know, Ion Kutalaba kind of showed us, obviously, where he lacks a little bit in the fight against Glover Teixeira. We know he's going to come out swinging. We know he's going to cr- come out tough, strong, all that stuff. Um, but in that type of fight, you know, Glover had obviously the ground game to rely on. In this fight, I don't see him winning this one either. I think Cleo Roundtree showed us a lot of growth, a lot of evolution in his game. I think his stand-up is way cleaner. I think he's not going to go in there and brawl. I think he's gotten a lot smarter as a fighter. I think the training in Thailand has paid off huge. I don't think he's going to have to worry about going to the ground roll this fight. I think he's going to... You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he knocked him out. If not, I think he'll, he could win a decision just by standing up and keeping the distance. I really like Khalil Roundtree in this fight a lot. I think this is a, a big fight for him to win on his resume and to keep climbing the ladder because I think there's a lot of potential in him. Yeah, I agree. He has totally remade himself as a striker, unbeaten in five of his last six. Looked outstanding uh, in bludgeoning Eric Anderson's last time out. Kenny, on the other side, he won Kute Laba. Submitted by Glover Teixeira, as Ian mentioned, back in April. Certainly could use a win here. He is a wild man. Not not sure if he's a wild card in this division. You know, I'm not sure if he's overconfident, but he expects to just go in there and rip the, the heads off of all these light heavyweights, and largely it hasn't happened yet. Your thoughts on Kute Laba, slight dog here against Khalil Roundtree Jr.? But yeah, Kutalaba doesn't seem to know how to pace himself very well. Um, tends to be a very emotional fighter, but man, is he tough. Um, he does use takedowns from time to time. He definitely yeah. has knockout power. We've seen Roundtree get knocked out before. We've seen Roundtree knock a lot of other guys out as well. Um, both these guys are kind of walk, wild cards, in my opinion. I, I think we've seen Khalil Roundtree kind of every other fight show up and look amazing, and then every other fight not look so hot and, and look like he's still beginning his mixed martial arts career. So it's tough. Uh, Roundtree is such a good dude, uh, such a nice guy. I, I think you know maybe going to Thailand is going to allow him to kind of uh, be a little bit more calmer inside the octagon. I hope that's the case. But still, grappling takes a very long time to get down. Um, I, I still see that as a major weakness. Not that Kutalaba is this wonder kid on the ground either, but uh, I think he does have better takedowns and will try to mix those in uh, to this fight. Um, I'm going to go with Kutalaba for the win here. And he has spent a lot of time wrestling in his life, that is yeah. for sure. All right. Gilbert Durinho Burns kind of finding new life as a short-notice welterweight. I still think he can contend at 55, even though the weight is tough for him. Had a win August 10th in Uruguay, up at 170 pounds. Third straight overall for Durinho. Now stepping in for Tiago Alves will face Gunnar Nelson. And Burns, Ian, slightly favored to get the win here. Minus 135. Gunnar Nelson, slight dog, plus 105. Grappler's delight, or is it? Ian Parker, what do you think? Durinho Burns, Gunnar Nelson. You know, this one I've been going back and forth on. I think Nelson is not thrilled. Even though he'll never show it on his face, he'll never say it. This is like the exact opposite of a short-notice matchup that he won instead of Thiago Alves for the obvious reasons with right. such an advantage in the ground game. Burns is so good on the ground. And what we saw in his last fight, everyone picked against him. Um, I really did not, if you remember. I liked him. Even at 170 in that matchup, I think his stand-up is very underrated. I think what everyone always throws against Burns is his cardio, but... You know, cardio, unlike what, you know, Kenny just said in regards to Khalil learning how to grapple, cardio you can learn really quick. You just got to put the time in. You got to have the right coach and everyone pushing you to do it. 
I think if Burns' cardio is up to speed, not having to cut all that weight, he's a big, he's not, he's not a small guy. He could definitely contest at 55, but I think the weight cuts really played a factor when he's not shown what he can do. So much potential in this guy. And for, for Nelson, you know, I just don't know what to expect in regards to the stand-up game. You know, I don't think he's really gotten better. I think it's the same style. It's throw the overhand, try to clinch up, kick the guy to the ground. I don't think he'll be able to do that in this fight against someone in Burns who has that same resume, if not better, with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I just think Burns' stand-up game is going to be where the advantage is. Not that I was – I'm hoping to pick an underdog somewhere here, but I like Gilbert Burns here. I think he's on a little bit of a run. I think he started hitting stride, and maybe he found the right weight for him. So I'm going Gilbert Burns here. When I tweeted about the matchup, it seemed like 10 sharp-type Vegas people immediately wrote to me, oh, dude, I got to hammer Gilbert Burns because a lot of people like the matchup for him. Kenny, we were in Nottingham, England for Gunnar Nelson's UFC debut together back in 2012. Kind of felt like he was all the rage back then. Pretty good body of work in the UFC. Eight wins against four losses. He has dropped, I think, four of his last eight. So four and four spanning his last eight. Split decision loss to Leon Edwards back in March. Uh, and I guess that at least temporarily served to take him out of welterweight contention. What do you think about Gunnar Nelson here against Gilbert Burns? Listen, I've been a fan of uh, Gunny for a long time. Um, I think he is an excellent martial artist, but I do think this is a very tough matchup. Kudos to him for taking this very tough match against Gilbert Burns. But Gilbert has really turned things around um, in the way that he trains. He's training all the time. I think he is going to be much better suited for 170 pounds. 155 was just way oh. too much for him to cut. I mean, uh, his neck should be on a milk carton. Uh, he <laughs> has no neck, this guy. So, um, yeah, he is very tough. And, Ian, to answer your question, he does have a better resume than than Gunnar Nelson. You're talking about a gi and no gi world champion. Um, Gilbert has been really crushing the wrestling training down in South Florida. He's very confident right now. Um, and you know, training with the current welterweight champ, that is certainly going to help. And, um, I I think he's got a lot more momentum right now and Gunny, as good as he is on the ground, he's got to get on top. He's got to get on top. And I don't know if he's going to win this takedown battle here against Gilbert. Um, it's going to be tough. If Gilbert gets on top, Gunny's not exactly known for his guard. Uh, so it's going to come down to who wins the takedown game. I think Gilbert's going to have it there. I think Gunny is a decent striker, but he doesn't throw enough volume for me uh, to say that he's going to be effective against someone like Gilbert Burns. So yeah. uh, I like Gilbert Burns here as well. Uh, you know, I, I'd love to go the other way uh, of Ian Parker, but uh, just can't. And I wonder if Gilbert Burns has come out and said anything definitive about whether or not he's going to go back to 55. Because you're right, Kenny, about that whole whole milk carton thing, right? And how far <laughs> no, John, he's, he's staying at welterweight from what I've heard. Yeah, so, yeah. And, yeah, and obviously he goes toe-to-toe with Kamaru Usman. And all those guys in that gym ha- have drawn a tremendous amount of confidence from not just Usman breaking through and winning the title, but they know where they stand with Kamaro and watching him do that to Tyron Woodley over five rounds, one of the most dominant performances in a championship setting ever, just gave a guy like Gilbert Burns all the confidence in the world, certainly used that in his UFC welterweight debut. We'll see how it goes for him this weekend in a big one against Gunnar Nelson. <clears throat> all right, co-main event is not the fight we just talked about. It's this one, Mark Madsen taking on Danilo caterpillar Bell Wardo. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. So Madsen, if you don't know, won an Olympic silver medal in Greco-Roman wrestling for Denmark at the 2016 Olympic Games in Rio. He is 8-0 as an MMA pro here in his native country. Minus 480, the favorite, making his debut against Caterpillar Bell Wardo, who is plus 355. Ian Parker, we will need the round of the method of victory. Make us smarter, kid. Who wins the co-main event? You know, it's just it's weird that they had to make this the co-main event. You know, it's uh, I know they want to get Madsen going, and this is a matchup that's kind of set for him. Nothing better than getting an Olympian in here and to do damage at home. I think I think Madsen's going to take this one. I'm even going to say first round TKO. He's so athletic, you know, and, and this is kind of like one of those coming out parties for him. And there's really not a whole lot to break down with this one. If Kenny can think of anything more than that, by all means, um, I don't see Kenny picking the underdog here. So I'll go Madsen. First round TKO. I, I just see the wrestling being way too much. You will probably get on top and end this thing pretty quickly. It's 
I, I am excited. You know, a lot of a lot of these Olympians always talk about coming over and getting their shot, and we're getting to see another one that's been more recent, which is a lot of fun. So I'm going to go with Madsen here. Parker's like, why are you even making me pick this fight, bro? <laughs> well, well no, I mean, you look at the about, odds. It's more about I know Kenny's just going to pick a decision, bro. So let's just move on to the main event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, you look at the you look at the odds. Uh, Mark Madsen, a huge uh, favorite Crazy. here over Danilo Bellardo, and. Yeah, listen, uh, can Bellardo win? Potentially, but I, I think Mark Madsen, yeah, is going to be a little bit too much. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a first-round TKO, but this guy definitely has a lot of power. Um, his wrestling game is going to be on point. Um, the Greco-Roman approach, in a lot of ways, is a safer way of entering in and getting takedowns. Um, you know, doesn't open you up to things like flying knees as much, and you know, when you're attacking the legs, and, and he might try to attack the legs, but as a Greco-Roman specialist, that gives you a huge advantage in the clinch as far as the takedown game goes. Um, right. The knowledge, the experience is going to be a lot. And obviously competing at the Olympic level and getting a silver medal. Yeah. The guy knows what it takes to be successful. Mark Madsen's going to take this. He was out of MMA from 2014 to 2018 doing the Olympic wrestling thing. Returned January 2018. He has since reeled off six straight the Italian Southpaw, Bel Wardo, dropped his UFC debut to Joel Alvarez in Stockholm. That was June 1st. But big opportunity for both of these fighters getting that co-main and, event slot coming up this weekend. And I didn't give you a round. Sorry. Let's go second round, TK. How's that? All right. Round two. Hey, TKO. there Ken he is. Hey. And how about Ken Flo keeping hey. the fucking scorekeeper on us, too? You know, I got one job, basically. I keep score. Uh, that was my I, I appreciate that. All right. Main event. <laughs> Don't call this a one-fight card because I think the main card is strong. We got a couple fights on the main card that we didn't even pick that I think are strong. Nicholas Dalby coming back against Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Uh, but this main event's a good one. Jack Hermanson, minus 245. Jared Cannonier 205. Middleweight title eliminator of sorts, I guess. And we will need the round and the method of victory. Ken Flo, both guys with momentum. Of course, Hermanson asked for this main event. He's won four in a row. Full training camp, which he didn't have for the Jacques de Souza fight. Your thoughts on, on what is a showcase spot for Hermanson and Cannoneer here this weekend? Man, both of, both of these middleweights really are running hot. And, um, you know, I, I've underestimated Jack, Her, Jack Hermanson uh, before. I don't think I could do it again. I think Jared Cannoneer... Uh, is the more effective, the more more dangerous striker, I should say. Hermanson, but but Hermanson really knows how to mix it all up, uh, faint his way in, work the takedown. I think Cannonier um, is definitely going to be overwhelmed on the ground. Hermanson has shown an excellent ground game. I was blown away by Hermanson against Jacare Souza uh, and how effective he was and how smart he was in that game plan. Um, I think Hermanson gets it done. Round one, submission. Round one, submission. Jack Hermanson. Probably get a pretty good price on Hermanson, uh, especially with that round one prop, if you like that. So, on the other side, Ian Parker, we got Jared Cannonier. Certainly has as much momentum in the UFC as he has ever had. Defeated Anderson Silva, obviously, back in Rio de Janeiro in May of this year. Your thoughts on Cannonier and and what type of challenge he might pose to Jack the Joker Hermanson? You know, I uh, I really didn't understand the matchup here. To be honest with you, I thought after beating Jacare in short notice, there would have been a little bit more. Um, it's a, to me, this seems more of an opportunity for Jared Kenyon than it is for Jack Hermanson. Um, I know that might sound a little funky because Jack's in a main event spot, showcases skills, essentially home field advantage, but I just felt like he kind of deserved better. I didn't think Kenyon's performance against Anderson Silva was mind-blowing. You know, I thought that was an excellent opportunity for him to go in there and knock out Anderson, and he didn't. I didn't think he did anything overly special that – warranted this fight. Um, Jack Romanson has to go in there. Right, He does present a challenge, obviously very powerful, super athletic for the division, but Jack Romanson has to go in there and finish what he started with this momentum. It's To Kenny's point, he took the words out of my mouth, blew me away with the Jacare fight. I in no way, shape, or form gave Jack any form of chance in that fight, let alone winning the way he did. His ground game was essentially flawless, and I don't see it being any different. I was actually going to go Jack also, round one submission, uh, but Kenny beat me to the punch. I was really hoping that one time you were going to go decision. Of course, you don't. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you, you really, you really, oh, you really killed me here, Ken Flo. Um, so, I'm going to play the uh, piggyback game. I'll go second round submission for Jack. I also think his cardio is way better 
in counting years. And I think the amount of pressure and pace he's going to set will be too much. So I like Jack round two submission. I'm really excited to see what Jack Hermanson can do if he does win this fight against Jared Cannonier. And part of the reason, Ian, that the fight was made was just a lack of availability for a lot of the elite middleweights, right? You got two champions who are fighting. Costa Romero was on the books. Gastelum, I think, might have been the guy that Jack Hermanson had targeted, and that obviously would have made a lot of sense because they're number four versus number five in the world. But Jack Hermanson, by way of that Jacare win, put himself in the top five. He prioritized headlining. And, uh, hey, man, we're live every week, right? So uh, Jared Cannonier's getting an opportunity. We'll see what he does with it this weekend. Ian Parker maximizing the opportunity on the Anakin Florian podcast of late, buddy. We will uh, talk to you next week unless you got anything else for Ken Flo. But may Rocky BJJ has been open for like four hours already this morning. So unless you got anything really pressing, Kenny needs to leave. <laughs> oh, I, I, I just, I might talk for another hour just to keep Kenny off the mats. I don't know. I'm just yeah. feeling very Ray Longo-ish today. Kenny, what do you want to talk about? Yeah. The weather? How is it out there, bro? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just talking with you, bro. Uh, oh, I'll let man. Kenny go. I know he enjoys running his business. Um, for all you guys tuning in, check us out on Instagram Live this week. I don't know if it could be John or Kenny this week, but for those of you that have been following, awesome. Please go subscribe to the Anakin Florian YouTube channel. Boom. Boom. At Anakin Florian Pod, at Parker Cage Hero. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. You got it, bro. Later. And a big one next week, by the way. We're right back next Monday, September 30th, and that is a pay-per-view week. We will get you primed for UFC 243, Whitaker versus Adesanya. Five main card picks coming your way from the fellas next Monday. With that, thanks to Longo, Parker, TJ DeSantis. For Ken Flo, I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the new channel on YouTube. We hope to be there every Monday from here on out. Ken Flo works holidays for you as well. With that, thank you all for listening, for watching. Enjoy the fights this weekend. If you're driving out there, don't text while you're doing it. Yo, lit. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and Wagering Week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.